Welcome to Macintosh and Mod Haven't Seen What, the podcast where we make each other watch movies we should have already seen. I'm Diana. And I'm David. And today we are starting the first of our brand new series, 80s Ladies, and we are starting with 9 to 5. Three female employees of a sexist, egotistical, lying, hypocritical bigot find a way to turn the tables on him. I couldn't have said it better. Yeah, that's, it's very succinct and appropriate. And contains a line from the film. It does. But in order to talk about this, we need a guest. David, who is our very special guest for today? Our very special guest for today is none other than Christmastide Ohio's own AJ Gennaros. AJ, welcome back to the show. Oh, oh, it is me. I'm sitting on pins and needles trying to figure out who it was. <laughs> oh, well, you. there you go. It, it is it's me. You. Okay. It's my very favorite dick. I thought I was in here for a private screener. It could very well be. I had not seen this before. Neither had I. Same here. You hadn't seen this before? I had not. I It has been on my list. But, but my favorite thing about signing up for your podcast is, is that it makes me watch movies I've been meaning to watch. Yes. That's, that's the point of this show. That's kind of the point. And I have to say, since we're starting at the very beginning, it's 1980. Part of the whole reason to watch this is that I have a deep obsession. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while, I love the show Grace and Frankie a <laughs> lot, like an, an unnatural amount. So, of course, I need to have seen this movie. And the song is an amazing song. And, of course, the lady who wrote it is also in the movie. So, yeah, it's about damn time. I was going to say, I'm glad you have the other two covered because I'm going to be over here just absolutely obsessed with Dolly Parton. <laughs> I mean, how can you not? She is the only one of the three who is not currently in her 80s. Oh, my goodness. That is another reason why we're calling this 80s ladies, because some of the fabulous women we will be featuring have entered their 80s, which is just insane because they're phenomenal. And it's just like, no, how could it be? It's also wild because a lot of these people are going to wind up in the same movies. These actresses are going to recur throughout the different films of this series. And it's wild that that like there was there was this cadre of actresses that were all being tapped for the same series of films across a lot of different styles of movie. Mm -hmm. Okay, so. Really, all I know I knew about this film going in was the song. I knew all of the stuff about the song because it's Dolly Parton, and we know a lot about Dolly Parton. But I didn't have a lot of expectations other than workplace and, oh, we're going to watch a movie that's basically my fucking life. Nothing's changed. <laughs> I know I'd seen bits and pieces of this in the past when they did, like, hundred greatest laughs or mm -hmm. they would talk about nine to five and i know i've seen like maybe 15 minutes here or there on tv mm -hmm. i mean I, I i knew the basic premise because i think everybody does boss is terrible they decide they're gonna go have to go after him <laughs> and hijinks ensue yeah i was aware of the three women that don't like their boss i was unaware of the ensuing comedy of errors same I, I knew it was like a workplace. Like, I think I felt it was going to be a little bit more dramedy. Like they like they had, they worked in a workplace. They hated their boss. I did not realize that they were going to try to murder their boss. Yeah. Well, 
or or kidnap a dead body thinking that they had accidentally murdered their boss. It okay, I have to say this reminded me so much of Sex in the City 2 in the hijinks. And I was huh. just I was just like what what the tonal shift was just like what am I watching? <laughs> what something happened? What I, we switched movies at some point. Yeah, that happens a lot in the 80s. Halfway through, they suddenly change the movie on you, and you're Fair. like, wait, what just Fair. happened? I don't. <laughs> this this isn't a bad movie, but it's also, it, it suffers from a syndrome that we've seen on this show before, which is first of its kind. True. A- and because of that, it doesn't always know what it's doing. Like, we've watched Trading Places. You make this movie with John Landis mm-hmm. in 1984 or so. Suddenly, everything feels a lot tighter. The script feels a lot better versus a director who we may discuss later, James L. Brooks, making this movie where it is more of a dramedy. Sure. I mean, this movie is credited as, as you know, giving us the, the female driven workplace film. So we don't we don't get working girl without this movie. We don't get the Devil Wars Prada without this movie. Like we just don't because this was the first female dominated film to gross a hundred million dollars <laughs> proving that women can carry the box office. Heck yeah. And I wonder if maybe that's what it is. Like they're going so broad mm-hmm. because they want to make sure that it's going to appeal to everybody who comes in and sees it. So they're afraid to throw in a lot of nuance, which means we take some wild ass left turns with the story of this. Fair, fair. So I did say it grossed a hundred over a hundred million dollars. Uh, it had a budget of ten million dollars. Talk about a return on investment. There was a planned release of a VHS on the same day as the film's theatrical release, but that was postponed because the movie theater owners were like, "Hey, uh, no, don't do that. You're gonna kill them. You're gonna kill the box office if you try to release the VHS on the same day." Which is very funny given our 2021 predicament of streaming being released the same day as theaters now. <laughs> we're, we're in that experiment now. It's, it's interesting. It, it, it's been a fun time learning this whole system, you know? I feel, I feel like that really needed the pandemic to happen. Yeah, well, now, now the choice is, do I want to pay money for this or am I willing to wait for it to hit <laughs> streaming because of whatever agreement so-and-so and so-and-so have made? Yeah, I'm not going to just go see every single movie in a movie theater. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm not because I know so-and-so and so-and-so already have an agreement. So I will have that at my house and I'll have to wait two weeks. Okay, I'll wait two weeks. I can be patient. I'll, I'll save my 30 bucks. All right, writing. Uh, we have two writers for this. We have Patricia Resnick for story and screenplay. Before this, she wrote Three Women, A Wedding, and Quintet. After this, she did a lot of TV movies. She was a producer on Olivia, Mad Men, Tales of the City, and Better Things. And then we have Colin Higgins for the screenplay. Before this, he wrote Harold and Maude, Silver Streak, and Foul Play. And after this, he wrote the next film we're going to cover in our series, The Best Little Whorehouse in Texas. Hey! Yeah! So what do we think about our writing? I, I like it. I, I think it's, like, tongue-in-cheek. It's very, like, it's very good. I really like it when we're in the office. Mm-hmm. And then when we... <laughs> the, the middle of this movie is so squishy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
It's so awkward. And then once we get back to the office and we start instituting the changes and we tie him down, it works a lot better. Yeah, there's the middle is so unbelievable because I I love the beginning. I love the fantasizing of what they would do. Adorable. Oh, yes. Because that's Uh perfect. And it's right up each of the actresses. Allie works to their strengths perfectly. And even Violet's accidental poisoning hilarious because you because they they set it up so well that that could happen like they set those dominoes up perfectly but after that it's totally unbelievable and I felt I was actually a little annoyed because I was like these women are so smart so smart and interesting and believable and you made them dumb and you made them do stupid things at this point and I wish they would have found a more clever way at that point to like get rid of him like to get him out of the office so that they could have taken over because i love that at once they kidnap him (laughs) essentially that they institute everything they want to do at the office to make it so amazing and it's profitable and everything and yet he's still getting credit for it i feel like you could do this movie the exact same way but Mm -hmm. cut out the mistaken body plot putting the body in the trunk taking it back to the hospital all of that if you cut that And you have them freaking out at the hospital. And then they do an office space where they go back to Dolly's house and they all freak out and they try to devise what they're going to say when they go in. And then they all walk in and are horribly nervous. And then he walks in Mm -hmm. and then we see the throwing of papers and everything. Well, then if it's just like, we're going to blackmail you because we know you're embezzling and he's like, okay, so what are you going to do? We want you to leave. And so he leaves, but we're still going to file things. And you're like, you leave. Don't cause any trouble for us. You'll still get your paycheck, but we're going to do what we want to do in the office. And that's kind of how everybody wins. But a little bit of reshuffling. uh, And I think the threat of him saying, oh, you conspired to murder me still. No, if he comes to them with that threat and then that's how they fight back against him. It's like, oh, no, no, no. Yeah, that kind of happened. But we didn't actually go through with it. And we figured this thing out about you. So what you got to do about it? <laughs> and then the kidnapping in the office is fun. That's pretty fun. The kidnapping in the office is my I mean, favorite the, thing. I mean, it's All super fun to watch. There, there has to be that element. I, and I don't mind. Like, you can play that off when it's just an escalating series of circumstances. Mm-hmm. But you keep it all centered at the office. That's really yeah. the problem for me. If you kept it all in that office, mm-hmm. then you buy it that they just lose it. And then have to devise, well, shit, we lost it. What are we going to do now? Mm-hmm. No, I, I like that. Because, like, that kind of, like... That's the initial, like, first shock of, like, oh, crap, we're literally just doing crimes now, where that, like, once it gets to the point of, like, they're kidnapping him in the office, they're, like, a little bit more chill. I just did. I don't like the body hijinks, because I think that went on way longer than it needed to. (laughs) It did go on a lot longer than it needed to, but I feel like that event needed to happen in the movie. I understand the inciting incident, but it went, like, everything went on a little too long. (laughs) I do. I do love... Dolly's face bring them back. Uh, can you come back here for a minute? <laughs> <laughs> I want to take a look at this. She's just, she's just so sweet and adorable. Well, an earlier version of the script saw the trio intentionally try to kill their boss, but when Colin Higgins came in, he shifted it all into the fantasy sequences. But 
all three women end up following through with their fantasies to rid Mr. Hart. Judy tries to shoot him in his office, even though she misses. Dorley actually lassos and ties him up in his office. And Violet accidentally poisons him with his coffee. He doesn't drink it, but she does it by accident. That's some that's some screenwriting 101 right there. Oh no, it's great. Like they all <laughs> like they did, none of them did it intentionally, but they all end up doing it. God, Lily Tomlin's fantasy sequence is one of the greatest things ever. Well, mm. actually, I would have liked it if if they had swapped fantasies. Like if someone else had shot him, someone else had poisoned him by accident, someone else had tied him up by accident. Oh no. That that might have been a little bit more, but like, oh my God, but but he still got it. He still got all of the things, but somebody else is the one who did it. No. And besides, I just love the fact that I that we get to see Lily Tomlin in a Snow White costume with animated forest creatures surrounding her while she poisons Dabney Coleman. It's very good. I mean, it's very powerful. Lily Tomlin doing anything. Look, we ended last season watching her in a tiara and a feather boa at the 1975 Oscars. This is the energy I live for. I know. And now she's a princess murderer. I mean, I love her. I kill for her Frankie energy on Grace and Frankie. When I watch that show, I just think about my grandmother. who I'm like, if my grandmother was a bit more like hippie, she'd be Frankie. To which my mother has said, well, if she had more money, she'd be Grace. Yeah. <laughs> which yeah. is so bizarre, but also very, very true. It's, it's, a, it's a fun watch. I love it. Go watch it a lot, please. Let's move on to our director, who is also Colin Higgins. Before this, he directed Foul Play. After this, he directed The Best Little Whorehouse in Texas. What do we think about the direction by Colin Higgins? It's fine. I'm I'm gonna be honest. I didn't really take that much note of it. Like I I feel like everything was very natural. (laughs) This guy just feels like he's just making what he put on the page happen on a screen. And I think that's to do with the script. I think if we had a stronger, tighter script, we may have gotten bolder directing choices. Maybe. But that's fair. I think he's saved by the fact that he has the most amazing cast he could have dreamed of. Yes. So, like, those women can polish any turd in the world. So we good. <laughs> like, who gives a shit? <laughs> because it's it's the first type of comedy like this that's been done, you're making a lot of choices that you don't know if we're going to work or not. Sure. So it's a lot easier after the fact to then go, oh, okay, this works, this doesn't. So mm-hmm. let's make those choices. Yeah. Nothing special, nothing bad. No. All right, so let's move on to our cast. Yeah. We start with Jane Fonda as Judy Burnley. Um, I don't believe we've actually ever talked about her. No, we have not. We have not, which is just, I mean, other than me talking about Grace and Frankie all the damn time. Before this, she was in Sunday in New York, La Ronde, Cat Baloo, The Chase, Hurry Sundown, Barefoot in the Park, Spirits of the Dead, Barbarella, They Shoot Horses, Don't They?, Clute, A Doll's House, Fun with Dick and Jane, 1977, Julia, Coming Home, Comes a Horseman, California Suite, The China Syndrome, The Electric Horseman. After this, she was in On Golden Pond, Agnes of God, Stanley and Iris, Monster-in-Law, Georgia Rule, Lee Daniels, The Butler, This Is Where I Leave You, The Newsroom, Youth, Fathers and Daughters, Grace and Frankie, and Book Club. What do we think of Jane Fonda in this movie? Beautiful. Excellent. Great, perfect. 
don't change a thing. Doing her best Mary Tyler Moore impression here. (laughs) (laughs) She's so stiff and awkward, which is fun because that's not what Jane Fonda is known for. No, this is (laughs) totally buttoned up lady. She looks so matronly. Like, I don't know a lot about Jane Fonda, but I know that she's, like, eccentric on camera. So walking in to see this, I was like, this is not what I was expecting. Okay, hello. (laughs) Eccentric or very sultry. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, her whole career all through the 60s was sex goddess. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Barbarella being the peak of that, she was on every teen's wall for a long time. And then just really dug into like more serious acting style roles. Mm -hmm. This is a screwball comedy in which she's just playing a total character that is, I don't think looking at these like any of the other roles she's done. (laughs) Yeah, no, she's fabulous. And I, I, she, I love how nervous she plays it. Like it's, it's so great. That that poor scene with her in the fax room. (laughs) Oh man. That's just, uh, I, it, it brought me back to when I was working on some project in like the big mail room at my old office and like definitely didn't have them like a, a moment where I was overwhelmed by a machine, but I was overwhelmed by all the paperwork I was handling. And it was just like, oh yeah, I, I get that. I get, I get, I get that feel, that work feeling. <laughs> and it sucks. As seven colors of paper shooting out at you from the, yep, not at all Where easy is it use. all coming from? <laughs> <laughs> I, coming from. I want to imagine that machine is entirely hollow and there's one man just making it rain <laughs> yes uh, you're yeah. probably not wrong <laughs> to prepare for her role as judy burnley uh, a middle-aged divorcee entering the workforce jane fonda actually interviewed numerous women who had entered the workforce late in life due to divorce or widowhood it inspired her first day outfit a frilly conservative wardrobe with oversized glasses elaborate hats and an overdone hairstyle i love her i love her very good i love her too (laughs) she she was like how am i gonna research this i'm gonna talk to women (laughs) i'm gonna talk to ladies who've had to do this yeah Uh like jane found out like i know she's had some hiccups but damn if she's not pretty fucking cool according to a variety magazine article jane fonda was the initiator of this film it was the third of six of her production company ipc films that also makes a lot of sense given her history of political engagement Mm -hmm. and wanting to also make a statement for feminism her activism yeah Yeah. she's always been an activist she's also always been an outspoken feminist yes so that that does not shock me in the least that she brought this to the table Mm mm-hmm I actually knew that because this was talked about a lot in Dolly Parton's America. Hey! Mm-hmm. Next, we have Lily Tomlin as Violet Newstead. I mean, it's Lily Tomlin. She's a goddamn comedy genius. She showed up a handful of times on the show already. I mean, yeah, we've talked about her a lot. But in case you've forgotten, before this, she was on Rowan and Martin's Laughing, Nashville. She had a couple of appearances on Sesame Street, The Late Show. And then after this, she was filming The Incredible Shrinking Woman before this movie, but it didn't come out until after this, because that that will come into play later. All of Me, The Search for Signs of Intelligent Life in the Universe, her legendary one-woman show. The Player, Shortcuts, and the band played on The Beverly Hillbillies. 
the magic school bus. Yes. She is the OG Miss Frizzle. Uh-huh. Flirting with disaster, getting away with murder, Murphy Brown, Crippendorf's tribe, tea with Mussolini, the kid, Orange County, the West Wing, I Heart Huckabees, a prairie home companion, the Walker, the Pink Panther 2, damages, admission, web therapy, Grace and Frankie, Grandma, the magic school bus rides again, and Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. What do we think about Lily Tomlin? I'm not going to say anything bad about any of the actors. She was outstanding. It was really good. <laughs> They're the best part of the movie. They're the whole reason to see this movie. I love how often she's changing her jacket. <laughs> oh my God. I keep, every time she ch- changed her jacket, I'm like, wait, there was one with like calligraphy on it. Where did it go? Wait, no, she had another one. Where did that go? What is happening with her wardrobe? Who did this? Every time she's entering or leaving a room, she's changing her jacket or a sweater. She's she's putting on uh, the kimono style jacket. I, I don't know what the appropriate word for that piece of clothing is. Uh, but then she puts on her blazer. But then she leaves and she puts on something different. And then she's got the doctor's coat. But then she's got her actual coat. It's so funny because it's all the time she's messing with her clothes. She's in a constant state of it's too hot or it's too cold and she doesn't know what to do. No, I I think it's that she's she's changing who she's portraying, like literally. Like, oh, I'm the boss lady of my section. Oh, I got to go talk to this jackass. I'm putting on my boss lady jacket. <laughs> Fuck you, fart. Yep. Like, I think that's like part of what's happening. I just think she's amazing. Mm-hmm. Perfect in every way. I love her. And the heart of this movie. Yes. If you don't connect with her and like her immediately, this movie's over. Yep. Because she she is the de facto leader of the three. Mm-hmm. She originally turned down the role of Violet because she was working on Incredible Shrinking Woman. But she relented when she got that movie's producer to postpone that film so she could do this movie. Ah. Mm-hmm. And I'm so glad she did. I know. It's true. She was nervous as this was an early film of hers. And so she used to exit her trailer each day pretending that she was actually Violet and had been hired to make a movie about secretaries. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, If there's any actress that could actually pull that off in real life, it would be Lily Tomlin. It's actually a genius uh, just technique to just compartmentalize your your nerves to be like okay when i leave my like my trailer is my safe space now when i leave i am i'm doing a movie about this thing that's what i'm gonna do like it's it's great i love it it's perfect and it's wild because the only other movie she's done up to this point is nashville Uh uh-huh which is a totally different thing oh so different and also, that movie is very much in her wheelhouse, which is just complete improv. We're going to roll the camera, mm-hmm. and then we'll edit together whatever we get. Yeah. And so she's doing that in both drama and comedy in that movie. So it's very much in her lane. But like she's just doing comedy the whole time mm-hmm. and improv. And now she's got a leading role in a movie. Mm-hmm. It's a totally different world for her. Mm-hmm. But it is incredibly smart. Because the show, that theater stuff, it'll it'll help you out sometimes. It's so cute. I just, I adore it. All right. I have one. Who could have been better? Whoa. No one. Well, I, I don't know. This is pretty good. Mm. I, need, I need to hear this now because if it's being compared. So Jane Fonda was a co-producer on this, clearly. 
So if Lily Tomlin had been unavailable, her backup casting choice for Violet was Carol Burnett. Okay, hold on a minute. <laughs> that That's fair. Fair. No. Res- respect. No. One, one moment. No, no, Not you, as much. No, you wait a minute. <laughs> no, no, here's the thing. I don't want it, but fair. I understand. <laughs> I love Carol Burnett. Carol Burnett does not have the same edge. True. And something that also occurs to me now, Carol Burnett and Jane Fonda look way too similar. Now, Carol Burnett's a little bit older, but the look would be so similar on screen. Just the fact that I don't know that it would read quite as well. I mean, you make a point. But at the same time, I feel like the, the things can be done to make them look slightly different. You know who I want Carol Burnett to play? Mm-hmm. The assistant. Ra- the, uh... I, want, I want her as Roz. Yeah. That's where I want Carol Burnett. That could be fun. Because okay, yeah. Carol Burnett would be so good doing that. Uh, her being an evil bitch would be amazing. That would have uh-huh. been fun. She would have had fun with that, too. She would have had so much fun with that. And actually, her and Lily Tomlin being so evenly matched comedically uh, would have been heaven for that. Yes. I, I, I'm here for that. Mm-hmm. Can I get Carol Burnett as Margaret? Because Margaret was my absolute road dog. <laughs> God bless that woman. Now we move on to Dolly Parton as Dora Lee Rhodes. 10 out of 10. Hell yeah. <laughs> this is Dolly Parton's film debut. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I mean, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Because she's only done... She's only written some of the most legendary country songs of all time before this, but you know. Yeah. I mean, everyone knows who Dolly Parton is when she did this movie. So there was that. After this, she did The Best Little Whorehouse in Texas, Rhinestone, A Smoky Mountain Christmas, Steel Magnolias, Straight Talk, The Beverly Hillbillies, where she played herself, Miss Congeniality, Two Armed and Fabulous as herself, Hannah Montana, Joyful Noise. Dollywood's A Christmas Carol, Dolly Parton's Coat of Many Colors, Dolly Parton's Heartstrings, and Christmas on the Square. She's great. She is also still figuring it out a little bit. Oh, yes. You can tell she has not been in a movie before. That doesn't mean she's bad, but that does mean that there are times where the other two are appropriately reacting over the top. Mm-hmm. And while it works for Dora Lee's character to be understated, you can tell a lot of the time it's really just Dolly being like, wait, am I supposed to be bigger right now? Mm-hmm. But it works for Dora Lee's character. That's the interesting part of it. So I love that her character is innocent, but not stupid. Oh, yes. Because that would have been so easy for them to do. You're just waiting after that when he comes on to her. You're just waiting for that horrible, like, oh, she's she just... She has to deal with it, but she's having an affair with the boss. And then she turns around and is like, excuse me? Yeah, like you're expecting her to have already slept with him to get something into return. Just like the other characters. Exactly. That's what you're expecting. They've set you up for it. And so I I did love that switch where it was, oh, no, she's put up with his advances and she knows exactly what he's doing. And so she'll accept the perks because why shouldn't she if she has to put up with this bullshit? But she's not going to let it go too far. She's not going to be taken advantage of. And when she finds out that he's straight up lying about sleeping with her, that's too far for her. Mm-hmm. She's like, oh, mm-hmm. hell no, you're not going to tell people you're sleeping with me. It's one thing for other people to think it's happening. But to find out that you're actually saying it, oh, hell no. 
I love that about her character because at that point she's not acting. That's just Dolly. That's just Dolly. Mm-hmm. I love Dolly Parton. I just, <laughs> I just love Dolly Parton. There are so many things in my notes that are like interspersedly. I'll just have written down. Leave Dolly alone. <laughs> All of you, leave Dolly alone. I agree. I one hundred percent. That's just. I want that on a shirt now. I do need that shirt that says "I beg your pardon," and it's Dolly Parton just making the what face. <laughs> I need that. Very good Dolly Parton shirt. It is. It's great. I, when I find when I see it next time, I'll send it to you so you can buy it. <laughs> yes, please. I'll take three. <laughs> and as cringeworthy as it is, her fantasy sequence of turning the tables on him uh-huh. is also glorious. Adorable. I needed more rhinestones on her costume, though. Yep. <laughs> my, my my note there was uh hold on, let me find that. Dolly, I know this is a revenge sequence, but this is hot. <laughs> mostly because like i don't know why i'm attracted to people i should hate mr mr hart was very attractive (laughs) dabney coleman's a good looking guy he is a good looking guy and a great actor it's the power the power (laughs) but i that scene is so perfect especially because of the way that he plays it because he plays it straight he could have played it as a caricature but instead he plays it as like a man who's losing his dignity I'm just a sweet little man. I'm, I'm a sweet little man. I'm just a sweet man, and you are taking advantage of my sweetness. It's so good. It's so perfect and so believable. I love it. <laughs> it's so cute. It it works really well. Setting aside the the now like ooh, that's not a great message to send. Sure. But on the other hand, she deserves her moment of revenge. Sure, <laughs> she's given him what he's given her. So like yeah. Uh, yep. it, it's not there to be morally sound. It's there to be revenge. Sure. Yes. Also, they're high. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Also, with Lily's, he they poisoned him. So. <laughs> and also, Jane Fonda in the hunting costume, where we go from nebbish Jane Fonda to, yeah, that's sex symbol Jane Fonda right there. Yeah. God's bless. They, they had to have a moment of that because she's very dour the rest of the mm-hmm. film. And then you're like, oh, yeah. They had to have a little something, something. In preparation for her role as Doralee Rhodes, Dolly Parton not only committed to memory her own parts, but the parts of every other role in the film. Parton thought that pictures were filmed in chronological order, like of the film script. Sure did. <laughs> yeah. And then later she recalled being told by Fonda to slow down on her eating because they were filming out of sequence. And that meant that she'd be wearing the same costume later in their shooting. And so Dolly Parton said that in one scene, she looked like that she entered the scene one size and exited a different size. (laughs) I forgot about that. She says, I looked like, and I quote, I look like a fat little canary (laughs) when she's wearing her yellow outfit. Ooh. (sighs) It's very funny, but like, you don't know. You don't know if you if she thought it was all being done chronologically. Sure, you wouldn't have think, thought about it. like I'm just gonna eat the food they give me because yum. It's one of those weird realities where you're like, it's not that we don't want you to like enjoy your body, but like continuity does come into play here. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't necessarily a comment on weight gain. No, 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 no. You, no, need, no. To be, you need to be conscious of it. Yeah. And also, as AJ said previously, leave Dolly alone. Well, always. <laughs> leave always. her the fuck alone. <laughs> leave Dolly the fuck alone. Also, who the hell noticed? Because Dolly's too busy being Dolly. 
Exactly. Uh, Dolly Parton <laughs> bought nearly her entire wardrobe from the film and has them displayed at her museum at Dollywood. I want to go to there. Of course she does. So, so we're doing a field trip, right? Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. I'll meet you there, AJ. Heck yeah. That's probably about halfway. Yeah. Maybe. That's perfect. Let's go. I'm here. I want to go so bad. I really do. I'm not even kidding. Neither am I. We're doing this now. We're making plans. This is happening. This is amazing. Apparently, Dolly Parton was cast because Jane Fonnet and Lily Tomlin felt that she could bring them the West. Okay. It's a little weird because she's from the East, but you know. Well, (laughs) the the country. That's what they mean. Yeah. It's just funny that they went West with that. She can bring that Tennessee mountain home. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's a little strange, but that's what they meant. The Wild West is they're yeah. making a country joke on that, I believe. And I have a who could have been better. No one. No, absolutely no one. Okay, so <laughs> Jane Fonda's backup plan, if she had not been available, was Anne Margaret. Anne Margaret. Hell no. A, a wonderful attempt, but I will be taking Dolly. Thank you. Uh, no, there's, there's no question. I, Just, like I'm racking my brain trying to think who could even maybe replace Dolly Parton. No one. It's too iconic. It's just, ugh, no, no, thank you. You would just have to take the character in an entirely different direction. <laughs> no, thank you. Yeah. No, thank you. Can't happen. Can't take her from this movie. Can't take her from our hearts. Never. <laughs> And her sweet country singer husband. Ugh, so precious. Oh my God. Who's just a precious man who's just like, yeah, I'm going to go sing, honey. I don't know why they're treating you so bad. I'll treat you good, though. Oh, precious. Mm. All right. Next, we have Dabney Coleman as Franklin Hart Jr. Before this, he was in a long, long run of guest stars on television in the early 60s. He was on Midway, Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman, Viva Knievel, Rolling Thunder, North Dallas 40, Melvin and Howard. After this, he was in On Golden Pond, Tootsie, War Games, The Muppets Take Manhattan, Cloak and Dagger, The Man with One Red Shoe, Dragnet, Where the Heart Is, Amos and Andrew, The Beverly Hillbillies, You've Got Mail, Inspector Gadget, Recess, Stuart Little, Taken, Where the Red Fern Grows, Domino, and Boardwalk Empire. Hell of a character actor. So good at the smarm. Always has been. And this is one of his most iconic roles. He d- he did a very good job with the acting. I did spend a lot of this movie objectifying him. I'm very sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you have to be sorry. <laughs> I like that they complicate him just enough. What they did with him and what he is phenomenal at is he switches with his interaction with every single character. Yeah. When he when it's just him and Violet, he acts in one way. When it's just him and Dorley, he acts a different way. When it's him and Judy, it's a different way. So he he changes how he behaves based on who has the power in the room. And I love it because we have to understand what he's trying to get out of these women and why these women don't like him. Yeah, it's like classic code switching. It's oh. him trying to take advantage of the situation however best he can correct all he cares about is his future advancement of course that's all yeah that's all he's doing and it's it's even more of a testament we i know we said it already but you know that scene with dolly just shows how far his chops go where he can he can make a much more subtle choice than you expect which makes it even funnier Mm -hmm. 
Like, I like the fact, too, that he does all of this and he does it in a way that doesn't detract from the comedy. Yeah. Like, he knows that this is a broad comedy. So he's making very interesting choices, but he's never doing it in a way that takes away from how much of a slapstick comedy this movie is. And he never pulls focus away from the ladies. No. (laughs) Which is also amazing that, one, he can be so attractive and funny while still keeping the spotlight on the ladies. That's amazing. You needed a ringer and you got one with him. <laughs> Lily Tomlin suggested Dabney Coleman for the role of Mr. Hart. After seeing him in Fernwood tonight, she said there's something sexy about him. <laughs> there certainly was. Jane Fonda loved working with Dabney so much that she got him cast as her husband in On Golden Pond. Yep. Ooh. That makes sense. In one scene, his character is watching a soap opera. Two years later, on Tootsie, Coleman is playing the director of a soap opera. (laughs) (laughs) Him watching Days of Our Lives is so good. Well, and then also what's very funny is that Jane Fonda's character, Judy, looks a lot like the character of Tootsie. So it's just, it's it's very funny. All right. Arpons. 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 Random people of note. We've got Sterling Hayden as Tinsworthy. He was in Dr. Strangelove, The Killing, and The Godfather. Being very Colonel Sanders in this film. Yeah, I mean, he's he's just a well-known character actor, but we I also have some who could have been betters for Tinsworthy. Oh, okay. Okay, Gregory Peck or Charlton <laughs> Heston? Charlton Heston in a heartbeat. Are you kidding me? Both of them turned it down. Yeah. Charlton Heston's uh was a, a, a fucking conservative fuckface, so of course he did. Gregory Peck was too erudite, I'm sure. I don't know. Charlton Heston would have been cool. He would have been cool, but he probably was like, women's lib never. <laughs> uh, we have Elizabeth Wilson as Roz. She played uh, Mrs. Braddock in The Graduate. She was in Quiz Show and Adam's Family in 1991. She was so great. She, she, I mean, as much as we, we said that we would have loved to have Carol Burnett in that role, she was so good. <laughs> Just the whole time you're like, oh, no, no. Why are you like this? Why? Evil. <laughs> I do love that they figure out if, if he tells her to go learn French for five weeks, she'll go. She plays a simp very well. Yes. So good. So good. Lawrence Pressman as Dick. He also was Coach Marshall in American Pie. And then Earl Bowen as Perkins. He also was the psychiatrist in Terminator and Terminator 2. Ooh, I liked him. And the man cast as Doralee's husband was actually married to a close friend of Dolly Parton and had known Dolly for quite some time. She said that that was the only reason she was able to kiss him on camera. (laughs) Aww. He looked a bit like meatloaf to me. A little bit. He had a meatloaf quality. On to trivia. Trivia. A sequel was planned through the 1980s, but no storyline was ever settled on, and plans were canceled after writer-director Colin Higgins died in 1988. Mm. Aww. Yeah, he um, was diagnosed with AIDS and spent the last few years as an activist. Good good for him. Mm -hmm. I'm proud of him. As many people had to do at that time. Oh, it's amazing. I mean, sad. The license plate on the rear of Violet Newstead's car reads, secretaries do it nine to five. <laughs> huh. 
Huh. Interesting. <laughs> Violet's fantasy features Disney-like characters from Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, including Violet as Snow White, Bambi, Robin Hood. But the animated characters resembled the Disney characters, but were obviously drawn differently for legal reasons. Uh-huh. J- just a touch. And, and, and you can't even tell, really. You know? You just can't. You just It's just, it's night and day. Oh, Disney. Disney and their horrible non-joking with their IP. I mean, you got to protect it all the time or you can't protect it ever. I'm pretty sure my note there was, ah, complicit bird murder. Nice. (laughs) Murder. (laughs) The name of the company was Consolidated Companies, Inc. And a majority of this movie is uh, interiors of its workplace, which were filmed on Soundstage 6 at 20th Century Fox in Hollywood. A two-level set that cost about a million dollars was constructed to feature interiors of two floors of a contemporary office complex. That's, I mean, that's a tenth of their budget was just constructing that set. Production design is immaculate. It looks like an office. It's very good. It really, with the exception of the time period, it really reminded me of Mad Men. Yeah. Like, just with that level of detail to the office itself. It's interesting, because, like, Right at that time, they're in the big transition from like mm-hmm. the sort of Mad Men style office to the more computer driven office. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah, the, the were whoever the production designers were did tons and tons of homework. And I do love the little camera trick of we walk in the lobby, we go in the elevator, we stand there for a moment, we open the door and then we're on the floor. And mm-hmm. I was like, ah, uh, it's some fun camera tricks. That's very good. <laughs> Lily Tomlin stole the porch swing from her character's house, the one that she's sitting on while she tells her fantasy about offing the boss. And she, <laughs> and she hung it up in her yard, but she didn't protect it, though, and it rotted over the years. Oh, oh no. Fonda stole the Ritter Rat box of rat poisoning. <laughs> of course she did. It looks like the Sweetums. It does. Except for the little skull and crossbones. <laughs> That detail was so good because you are like, no, the box really does look it does. like, no, like it's an artificial perfect. sweetener. It's, no, it does. <laughs> it's so good. On the commentary for this, on the DVD for this movie, Jane Fonda says she once worked in an office and was fired because she wouldn't sleep with the boss. And she adds that they know the person and is therefore not naming names. Dolly Parton adds, well, I slept with the boss and I still got fired. And Jane Fonda did in fact sleep with Roger Vadim, who was First, her director, later her husband. So that might be who she was referring to. <laughs> uh, I mean, Dolly was married to Porter Wagner for a while. So, mm-hmm. yep. Uh, about 30 minutes into the movie, Maria Delgado gets fired for being overheard by Ross comparing her salary to Mr. Hart's. This was actually illegal according to the National Labor Relations Act of 1935, which prohibits companies from taking such retaliatory actions. <sighs> Wish that they cared about actually enforcing that motherfucker. Mm, yeah. If you can, unionize. If you can. Charles Fox, who did the score for Happy Days and Laverne and Shirley, did the score for this movie as well. Ooh. It was a really good score. I liked the music for it. It was very cute. I love the way they built the score around Dolly's song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they did really good. It's a, it's a smart move. So speaking of the song, Dolly Parton accepted the role with the condition that she would write and sing the theme song, which was nominated 
for an Academy Award. Hell yeah, it was. And won two Grammys. Parton made the same deal for almost every other movie in which she starred. The exception was Steel Magnolias in 1989, which declined the use of the Parton Penn song Eagle When She Flies. Yeah, okay. Gilbert recalls the first time Parton arrived with a title song and played it on her fingernails. She sang it a cappella and played the beat on her nails. You got to have falsies to do this, adds Parton, and the nails have to be artificial as well. There's a clip of her doing this Mm -hmm. on some TV show. It's Uh fucking amazing. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, no, I've seen her do it several times, and she's she's always had acrylic nails. And it's just God adorable. Oh, I remember she did something like that. I believe it was in Straight Talk, which I loved, where she did something where she was also messing with her acrylic nails, which I loved. I thought it was hilarious. She's an absolute mad lad. She can perform anything, anywhere with whatever she has. She'll make it happen. And I can't mention the authors without talking about what it was up against. Uh, it was up against the song Fame from Fame, Out Here on My Own from Fame, On the Road Again from Honeysuckle Rose. That was by Willie Nelson. People alone from the competition. And sadly, it lost to fame from fame. <laughs> mm. It's a great song. It's, I mean, up, it's up against fame and on the road. On the road again. again. That's, a, that's a three-way split. Like, that'd be hard. Because those songs are so iconic. Like, those three songs are so iconic to the films that they're in. So I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm not going to be mad. And On the Road Again has a life of its own past that. So does fame. So So does does this. Like all of these have such lives of their own. And speaking of that, this film actually spurned some adaptations. This had a successful sitcom um, that ran for 85 episodes between 1982 and 1988. Um, The first three seasons were on ABC with Dolly Parton's younger sister, Rachel Dennison, playing Dora Lee on the show. <laughs> Rita Marino played Violet and Jeffrey Tambor played Hart. Sally Struthers also had a reoccurring role for the Marsha Shrimpton character who was not in the original movie. Not only that, a musical version of the movie opened on Broadway in 2009. It didn't last super long, but it was nominated for four Tonys and it the cast included Allison Janney, Stephanie J. Block, Megan Hilty, and Mark Kudich, who or no slouches in the theater world. Nope. So not too shabby. Not a bad way to start our 80s, ladies. (laughs) As always, we have to come up with a special rating system for this movie. What should it be? It's the pulley system. It's the garage door pulley system. The pulley system. How many? It's the kink setup. The kink setup. (laughs) Here's, Here's the other fact that I love about that. And it, and it just points to that that is the one thing the script does well is that it it does call back so perfectly. You see Violet putting the fixing the garage door opener. You see where it came from. And then mm-hmm. and then you go, "Wait, oh yeah." Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. The pulley system kink setup. Okay. That's going to be our, our our rating system. It's elaborate this one. Let's start with David. I'm going to go 3 and a half. 3 and a half. It's a better than than solid movie. Um, it's super fun, but it's it's really thriving on the success of its cast mm-hmm. mostly. And otherwise, it's kind of a middle of the road movie. If you didn't have these three ladies in it or Dabney Coleman, it would not work as well as it does. Mm-hmm. It's a movie that everybody should see. 
because it's just worth it and it's the first of its kind but it's not like the strongest movie otherwise fair aj can i give it nine out of five (laughs) no (laughs) dang it well i mean yeah five five out of five i i want to watch this movie until i'm sick of it it was really fun it was I, I had a I had an excellent time watching it. Good. I'm glad the movie that we made you watch you really enjoyed. That's good. Yes. <laughs> that always makes me happy. I, I don't like torturing people unless they enjoy bad movies. Uh, I'm thinking about you, Becca. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going I, I'm going with my gut instinct. I'm going with a four. I really enjoyed it. I think the the thing that is hurting this film is it doesn't have a tighter script. I would not change a single cast. I wouldn't change the director. I wouldn't change a production element. I would just, I would just tighten up the story a little bit and then we're golden. I think that's the only thing that's making this lacking, but it, it is a little bit, it's, it's too big to be half a point for me. So it has to be a whole point. (laughs) So it's a, it's a four for me, but I think that's a pretty good way to start a series is with a four. It is. From Diana. (laughs) That too, for sure. From Diana, like that's that's, high marks. That's pretty good. We're bringing in happy energy this time, this year into season five. For now, later on, it's gonna get real sad. It's gonna get real, real sad. No, we're gonna keep it happy. All all happy. All posy vibes. (laughs) All positive vibes. Well, speaking of positive vibes, AJ, if people wanted to find more from you where could they find you on the wide and wonderful interwebs oh they can find me lots of places for example uh twitter i am at aj underscore generos that's g-a-n-a-r-o-s they could also find me on my podcast straight off the top of my headlines and they can find me on christmas title high and shattered worlds rpg as well all right well again thank you so much for coming and talking these crazy 80s ladies with us we can't wait to have you back for another film in the future thank you for continuing to have me on your show and thank you for completing my writer of uh no airplanes without doors in this one <laughs> no airplanes without doors. the last one i was on they did that shot of the whole set with the airplane and no doors bungee cord in a dream I have blocked this out of my mind. Yeah, yeah. I forgot about that too. Nice. Oh, like, yes. Oh, yeah. I will never forget. Now I remember. I'm still concerned for their lives. <laughs> That's fair. It's totally fair. Well, until next time. Have a good movie. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thanks for listening. Be sure to review and rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcast. For questions, comments, and recommendations, you can email us at macintoshandmod at gmail.com or find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Give me one second. I need to put something here. Do, 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 do. Why, David? Why? Because it's our hold music.